You may be seated. If you will, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And we are going to complete the book today. We've been going through the book of Ephesians for several months now. I didn't go back and add up all the messages that were a part of this, but uh, my guess would be somewhere in the 35 to 40 range. And it's an incredibly rich book. It teaches us so much about who God is, and it shows us so much about what God has done, and it shows us so much about how we as God's people are to relate to one another. And I continue to find the book of Ephesians one of the favorites for these reasons. It is so deep in its theology and so practical in its application that it's difficult to read it and not see something new and to not be challenged in a way that we have not yet been previously challenged. So as we go back from the very beginning and just think about what we have learned, we have been, we've learned that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have been chosen by God from before the foundation of the world. We have been set apart, predestined, and adopted as God's children. He has lavished His grace on us. We have been redeemed and forgiven from the consequence and the penalty of our sin. He has revealed to us the mystery of His will for the plan of redemption that was to be fulfilled through the person, the ministry, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. We have been receivers of this great inheritance that God has given to his children, first of which is the Holy Spirit who resides in us, that we are actually an inheritance for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we look forward to our future glorification when we will be with him for all of eternity. We have been greatly loved by God. We have been made alive and we've been given a new life. We are to be the workmanship of Christ, created in Christ to do the good works that he has prepared before, for us to do before the foundation of the world. We have been given God's own peace now that we have peace with him. And because we have peace with him, we are to have peace with one another. We have been made one in Christ. We have been unified with every believer through the Holy Spirit for all of eternity. We are now his own body. We have been made citizens of heaven. We have been built into God's own temple in the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We are individually and uniquely gifted by Christ to serve him. We have been given a new self so that we can walk in a holiness that reflects God's holiness. We have been offered the fullness of the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in victory as his children. We've been given the instruction and the resources to make all relationships with others, our husbands, our wives, our children, our fellow believers, the relationships in the way that God intends them to be. And God has given us His armor to make us invincible against the attack of Satan and against the attack of His demonic forces. Ephesians begins by lifting us up to the heavenlies and reminding us of what God has done. And as it concludes, it brings us to our knees, helping us to understand that if we are going to be and do what God has called us to be, then we are going to have to spend time on our knees before the Lord. If we're going to find victory in the spiritual battle that we find ourselves in, if we're going to experience the provision that God has made for every spiritual need, we will do so on our knees. It doesn't come through self-help. It doesn't come through strong determination. It doesn't come from osmosis. It doesn't come by attending worship. It comes 
by being on our knees before the Lord. Here's the last verses of the book of Ephesians we'll look at. In chapter 6, verses 18 through 24. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. Peace be to the brethren, in love with faith, from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. You can hear the heart of this ambassador of Christ in these final words that he pens to this church. This church will be circulated through the region of Asia Minor. And it is this very simple call to pray. Our general instruction here is that we would simply pray. Verse 18 says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. We are called to pray. Now, in the context of what we've been looking at over the last few weeks, how important is prayer when we think about the reality of our lives taking place in the context of a spiritual battle. One author pens these words. He says, no matter how complete the armor, no matter how skilled we may be in the science of war, no matter how courageous we may be, we may be certain that without prayer we shall be defeated. God alone can give the victory. And when the Christian soldier goes forth, armed completely for the spiritual conflict, if he looks to God through prayer, he may be sure of triumph. The reality is that the appropriation of the armor that God has given to us as his children is going to be appropriated to our lives through prayer. The method of arming ourselves, the method of deflecting the blows from our enemy, encountering his attacks is going to come through prayer. Now, as we look at this single verse in verse 18, there are five alls that communicate five emphases as it relates to prayer. So the first emphases that we're going to see is, number one, praying for all things. We read these words with all prayer and petition. The reality is this. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. We are simply to pray about it all. I don't know how many times I've heard a well-intending Christian say, well, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. It's such a little thing. Why should I bother the Lord with something as insignificant as this in my life? The reality, folks, is that we are expected, we are admonished, we are encouraged, we are welcome to come to the Lord and to give to Him absolutely everything that we have in our lives through prayer. Now, the word here, prayer, refers to general requests. The word petition 
refers to very specific requests. And used together, it points us to being involved in all kinds of prayer and praying about all kinds of things. Every form of prayer. Public prayer and private prayer. Loud cries, soft whispers, and just a silent meditation of our heart. Deliberately planned prayer or spontaneous prayer. Prayer while we're sitting, while we're standing, while we're kneeling, while we're laying down prostrate before Him. Our hands folded, our hands raised, our head bowed, our head lifted, our eyes open, our eyes closed. We are to pray at all times, in every manner and every mode of prayer, confessing our sin, seeking His guidance and His direction, thanking Him for His blessing, asking for His conviction, praying that we would fulfill His will, that we would be delivered from the bondage and the, and the presence of sin so that we could be the children He has called us to be. You know, the list of what we are to pray about is absolutely endless. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. We are to pray about it all. Not just the battle that we find ourselves in, but everything that contributes to the spiritual battle that we're in. Here's this very general admonition that we find in 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxiety or all your cares on Him because He cares for you. You know, the person that we approach, the person that we are going to communicate with, makes all the difference in how we communicate with that person. It affects how we approach that individual. If you have a high-level boss who doesn't seem to want to give anybody the time of day, and you've got a big need or a big issue that you have to take before that person, you may think, man, I really don't want to have this conversation. I know how it's going to go. I'm not going to like what they say. It's going to make me feel a certain way. That is not the way it is with God. We are invited and welcomed and encouraged to come to the Lord and to cast all of our cares upon Him, knowing Knowing, not hoping, not wishing, not wondering that He cares for you. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You know, we worry. We get all tied up about certain things in our lives. And what the Bible simply tells us to do is to leave all of that stuff at the throne of grace knowing that God is in control, that God will make a provision, and He loves you. That will never, ever change. We are to pray about everything. Number two, praying at all times. With all petition and all prayer, praying at all times, not just during the spiritual battle, not just before or on the end of a spiritual battle, but praying that we would be aware of these spiritual battles. And so when they come, we are ready because we have been praying, we are praying, and we will continue to pray about these things that our lives are coming up against. We are to pray at all times. Now, the Jews had several prescribed times that they were to go to the Lord in prayer. What this does, what this instruction does, is it sheds all of the restraints of the rigidity of our prayer lives to simply say this, pray about everything and pray 
all the time. We are to be in a constant and in a continual attitude of prayer. Paul said to pray without ceasing. David said, I will pray morning, noon, and evening. In the book of Acts, we find that the early believers were continually devoting themselves to prayer. So when we talk about praying at all times, we're not talking about literally praying at all times, but we're talking about being in a continual mode of God consciousness. You know, it's amazing to me to think how many people live their lives who are Christians and seem to have no regard for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. They give little thought to the plans and the purposes that God has for them. They don't give any thought to the will that God has for them. His provisions. They simply go through their day and when something captures their attention, they'll go, you know, I probably ought to pray about that. Rather than being in a continual attitude of prayer. We are to be aware of His presence all the time. When we are tempted, we are to hold before God this temptation and we are to ask God for our help, for His help. When we experience something good, we are to turn that good thing into a prayer of praise to the Lord and give Him thanks. When we see evil and wickedness and perverse sin in our world, we should pray that God would make it right. And if there's something I can do, God, if you can use me in some way in this person's life or in this arena, then make that possible for me to do that. When we see someone who doesn't know Christ, we should ask that they would be drawn to Him. That He would, in fact, give us the words to say that God would use to bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ. When we encounter trouble and trials and difficulties, we are to turn to God and pray for His strengthening and for the awareness of His provision in our relationship with Him. Our life becomes a continual assenting prayer, a constant communication with the Father, not just in the morning before you dart out for a busy day, not just at the end of the day when you lay your weary head on the pillow, but we are to be in a continual attitude of prayer all the time. The ultimate purpose of our salvation is not just so that we can be in heaven, but it is so that we can glorify God and that we can bring glory to His name through an intimate, rich fellowship to fully experience all that He has made available to us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our lives are to bring glory to God. To not come to Him in constant prayer, to not be in a continual attitude of prayer, is to deny the purpose that our lives are to be about bringing glory to the Lord. God strongly desires our attention. God desires our attention. Let me say that again. God desires our attention. Have you ever had somebody in your life that you wished liked you, cared for you, knew about you, was interested in you? To know that the God of this universe desires our presence is an absolutely astounding reality. That God desires our attention. He desires to be in communion with us. 
He longs for our unadulterated affection and our relationship with him. God invites us to come to him in prayer about all things, to pray at all times. He longs to hear us make these requests of him. Number three, praying in the power of the Spirit. He's not talking about the gift of a language. He's not talking about an ecstatic utterance. He's not talking about prophesying. He's simply talking about praying in the power of the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit is to pray in the name of Christ, consistent with His nature and His will. It's how we align our minds and our hearts and our desires with His. It's where we yield to His authority and we submit ourselves to Him. It is coming to Him and acknowledging how desperately we need Him and how much we long to sense His presence in our life. When we pray this way, in the power of the Spirit, our desires are more likely to be conformed to His. There's been many, many times in my life where I've prayed, and seemingly God has not answered that prayer. I've had to wait and wait and wait, and sometimes I don't ever see the issue change or the circumstance change or the problem go away. And it isn't because God hasn't answered the prayer. It's simply because God has said no or not yet. And as we give ourselves to Him in prayer, and as we enjoy this intimate relationship with Him, we will yield our wants, we will yield what we think is best to His sovereign will. And we won't lament the fact that we have to wait. We won't lament the fact that God has said no, but we will rejoice that God has loved us enough to not give us what we think we need, but instead to give us something better. When we don't know how to pray, our desires are more likely to be conformed to His image when we join the intercession of the Holy Spirit as we wait for Him to intervene on our behalf. When we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays with us and He prays for us. We read these amazing words in the book of Romans. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When we don't know how to pray, when we don't see the answer to prayer that we have desired, we know that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, and as we yield ourselves to His will, we will more consistently pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Number four, we are to pray with persistence. Verse 18 says, Be only alert with all perseverance and petition. We are to pray with persistence. Thinking about in the context of a spiritual battle or in a physical battle, a soldier in war is always alert. A soldier in war is always going to persevere. When we are slothful in our prayers, when we are inattentive 
to God's presence in our life, we will likely get deceived, we will get distracted, we will get off track, and when the battle comes, we will not be prepared and we are going to lose. We must be on the alert and we must pray with great persistency in our prayer life. Which reminds you of this. What happened to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus has just given them these instructions that He's about to die. He's about to go away. And they are overcome with grief and worry and fear. And Jesus takes them into the garden and He instructs them to pray. What happens? They sleep. They're not aware that Jesus is about to be arrested. They're not aware that Jesus is about to go and be tried. And they're certainly not aware that this is the very night that Jesus would be betrayed and it would be the last night they would ever see him before his resurrection. They were not prepared for what they were facing. They did not pray in order to be prepared for what they were going to face. We don't know what kind of spiritual battle is right around the corner in our life, but God does. And this is why we have this instruction that we are to pray about all things at all times with great persistency in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are to be on the alert. It means we are to pay attention. We're not to get weary. We're not to fall asleep. We are to be prepared at a moment's notice for an onslaught of a spiritual battle to come our way. And my friend, if we are prayed up, we'll be ready for that battle. Number five, we are to pray for all the saints. Not just about ourselves, not just about our problems and our needs, but we are to pray for all the saints. Here we see that Paul focuses his attention on the necessity of praying for one another. There are many, many things that we are encouraged to pray about in the Word. We're to pray for the lost. We're to pray for our leaders and our government. We're to pray for one another in many, many different ways. But in the context of spiritual warfare... In the imminence of spiritual battle, we are to pray for all the saints. We are to pray for one another because we need the help of our brethren. In war, a soldier is always willing to sacrifice themselves for one of their comrades. And so in this sense, prayer is a way that we sacrifice ourselves for the betterment, for the benefit of our brothers in Christ. Since we are in a spiritual battle, our prayer should be primarily related to spiritual needs. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't pray about physical things. It means that we shouldn't pray about physical things. But it means that our focus ought to be on the spiritual needs in our lives so that we can be armed to do the work that God has called us to do and we can withstand the attack from our enemy. That we would love God the way He desires us to love Him. That we would love one another the way God has admonished us to love others. We pray for strength and faith for one another to experience the peace that we have with God and with one another. Faithfulness in our walk with the Lord. Devotion to who He is and what He's called us to do. So here's the bottom line. When one of us in the body is weak, believe it or not, we are all actually weakened by that. In a In a physical battle, when a soldier is wounded, it takes two or more 
to go to the aid of that soldier and to remove him from harm's way. I think it's a good analogy of the kind of time that we occupy with one another when we're overwhelmed with someone's sin or someone's challenges that they brought upon themselves in living a certain way that they shouldn't. Our emphasis should be on the spiritual lives that we live, being prayed up so that we're ready for the battle, so that we can pray for for one another to be strengthened in the battle. You know, saying that I will pray for you ought to mean something in the church. It ought to mean that when I say that, I'm going to sacrifice something. I'm going to spend some time praying for you because you are my brother or my sister and I love you and I want for you to experience the provision that God has made for you. We all need prayer in this spiritual battle and we all need the prayers of one another so that we can stand firm. So the general instruction that we have here is we are to pray about all things at all times in the power of the Holy Spirit, with great persistence for all the saints. Number two, the purpose of this prayer. We see this in verses 19 and 20. Here's what Paul writes. Now remember from the very beginning that Paul is in jail. He's in Rome. He's likely chained to a Roman soldier. And here's Paul's prayer. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You see, the purpose of this praying is to be faithful. Our prayers are to be centered in our desire to be faithful to the Lord. Now, Paul was not a criminal. Paul was not guilty of anything that deserved his imprisonment. He was a prisoner because of the gospel. He says that I am an ambassador of the gospel and I am in chains for that gospel. So here I am suffering unjust punishment for something I was not guilty of deserving and yet here I am chained to a Roman guard and here's my prayer that God would give me boldness to speak the truth of the gospel as I should. He didn't pray for his relief. He didn't pray for his deliverance. He didn't pray for his physical suffering to be diminished. He prayed that God would strengthen him so that he would be faithful. Here's what we need to understand. What we need to remember about this whole section that we've been dealing with is that this is what the battle is really all about. The battle is about hindering the work of God in our lives and it's about hindering the work of God from our lives. God wants us to be conformed to the image of His Son. God wants us to do the work that He has created us to do from before the foundation of the world. And the spiritual battle wages against us, it rages against us, so that we will stop being conformed and that we will stop doing what God has called us to do. You see, if our enemy is able to distract us from why we have been saved and what we have been called to do, then he's winning in those battles. We are called to be faithful. We are called to serve him. We are called to surrender to him. We are called to be changed by him. And Satan seeks to create doubt about who God is, 
to deceive us about what God wants to do, to provoke our own defiance against God's will so that he can bring destruction to our lives, rendering us ineffective in accomplishing God's purposes and plans for our lives. So the battle is all about our faithfulness. It's about our being subjected to and obedient to God's will for our lives. We have to remember who God is. We have to remember what our sole purpose in life is. And that is that we are to live for Him and to bring glory to His name. It should shock us that we even have the ability to bring glory to His name. But that is what we are to do. We must be faithful so that you and I can bring glory to the name that is above every name. To the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. The Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. And we have the ability to do that. We read in Romans these words as a reminder of the glory of God and the purpose of our life. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This is to be our ultimate purpose in life. This is the purpose of our praying about all things is so that our lives can be lived to him and for him and bring glory to his name. We put on the full armor of God so that we can withstand the attack and faithfully fulfill the call of God on our life as Paul has prayed to be faithful. Now this individual that we see mentioned here, Tychicus, was being sent to the Ephesian church and probably to the church at Colossae and was likely going to travel through the region of Asia Minor to give a report about Paul. Verses 21 and 22, But that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. There was great concern about how Paul was doing. It was not unknown that Paul was in prison. And most people understood how hard prison could be. And most people also understood that it was not uncommon for a person to die while they were in jail. And so here we have Paul's beloved brother in the Lord, a fellow minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who was given charge to bring this letter for the very purpose of giving a report about Paul to the churches in Asia Minor. So here, in a sense, is what I envision the report that Tychicus would give. It'd be something like this. Paul's in jail. He's tired. He's hungry. And he's weak. Oh, but he's strong in the Lord. He's determined to keep the faith. He's going to fight the good fight. He's praying that, he's asking us to pray that he would, he would be faithful. He wants us to pray, not for his well-being, but that he would have boldness to speak of the gospel of Jesus as he ought. That was what Paul wanted people to pray for. That is what I envision the report that would be given. And what a great relief it must have been to the people who knew him and loved him. 
to hear that despite the great physical difficulty he was facing, he was strong in the Lord. He was going to be faithful to the very end. I wonder if it was a shock for them to know that that's what Paul was asking them to pray for. Not his relief. Not for more food. Not for better circumstances. But that simply he would be faithful. Number three, as we finish up the book of Ephesians, there is this closing benediction, the final words that we read, written by Paul to the church at Ephesus. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. As we have been loved with an incorruptible love, Paul is praying that we would also love with that same incorruptible love. So Paul mentions four spiritual qualities here. These four spiritual qualities are a consistent theme that are sprinkled all throughout the book of Ephesians. And these would be his final well wishes for the church. Number one, that they would live in peace. Peace with God. Peace that comes from knowing God. Peace with the brethren because we have together Experience peace with God. You see, we need allies in the battle. And when the body of Christ is fighting against one another, it's weaker in the battle. So Paul prays that we would live in peace. Number two, that we would live in love. That we would have an incorruptible love for God. That we would have a growing agape love for the brethren. And folks, we need the love of God's family in the battle. Again, when God's family is picking and arguing and fighting with one another, then we're weak in the battle. Number three, we are to live in faith. Faith in the God who saves. Faith in the God who loves. Faith in the God who provides. Faith in the God who protects. Faith in the God who promises. You see, when we're not living by faith and we're living by sight or living by reason and intellect, then we're weak in the battle. Lastly, number four, that we would live in grace. That we would be humbled by what we have been given in Christ. The reality that God has lavished His grace on us. Those who were enemies, those who were estranged, those who shook their fist in defiance against Him, God lavished His grace on us and forever changed our lives. So we are to give to others what we have experienced in our relationship with the Lord. We are to live this life in the context of this great grace of God. And when we don't show grace to one another, we're weaker in the battle. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we give you thanks for the truth of your word. Father, we thank you for the way your word draws us to you. And even though your word will deeply convict us of our sin, that it will correct and rebuke and reprove us, we know that your word will teach us and train us in all righteousness. 
God, I pray that you would make us more keenly aware of the spiritual battle that our lives are being lived in, the impact and the effect of that battle on the kind of people that we are. And God, I pray that as the family of God, we would find great ally with one another, that we would find strength and encouragement, comfort and joy with one another as we continually yield ourselves to you. Father, I pray that your word would have its way in every heart and every life, that we would recognize the slothfulness of our own prayer lives, and that, Father, we would be drawn to bow our hearts and our knees and our lives before you, and to allow you to be the God that you are. We give you thanks. And pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?